his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. we got Sue's News Tuesday edition coming up here in just a few minutes on 97.1 FM Talk. John Ellis, after that, he is Professor Emeritus of German Literature at the University of California, Santa Cruz, wrote a book called The Breakdown of Higher Education and wrote a real interesting piece. You know, we were talking about academia earlier with this Harvard stuff, wrote a great piece that was in the Wall Street Journal about how higher ed is a big threat to this country. John will join us a little bit later in this hour. I want to throw a plug in, Fred. You'll, you'll well, I think Sue will appreciate this as well. Our friend Chris Smith, who was with us last week. Chris was yeah. um, my, uh, well, he's my friend now. He's a listener when I met him. Certainly, he was a caller to my show, but he was shot in the head a couple of Thanksgivings ago, left for dead. His um, The girl that he was just on a first date with was basically assassinated in his kitchen. And Chris has had a hell of a struggle. He had another operation last Thursday. I wanted him to go to the Brian Kilmeade event. He had an operation on Thursday, and it didn't go as well as he thought it would, so he still has some struggles. But he's been doing a great job in uh, recovery and trying to stay positive. And as I mentioned last week, 48 Hours has contacted him about his story. So it's going to get some national attention. That's you know, the, the other part about his story that's just crazy, and we didn't mention this last week, is they, they found the guy right away, this Bobby Tarr piece of human debris that's in jail right now awaiting trial, and the trial will be in, in January. But that guy tried to put, remember, Fred, a hit out yeah. on Chris from jail, from Good the jail grief. cell. He tried to hire someone to kill the cop that was investigating, and then also Chris. Like, that would have done any good when it comes to spending the rest of your life behind bars. But anyway, tomorrow, the reason I bring this up, there is, um, have you ever been to the Post Sports Bar and Grill? There's one in Fenton. No. There are four in the area. Just, I would say just great bar food. My Mm. daughter loves the Post. They have these like little cheese sticks that I think they call them Post-its or something like that. And they're really, really good. Anyway, they're doing the Post for a purpose, all four locations for Chris as he continues to recover and he needs help with medical bills and to get back on his feet. So he's going to get 15% of sales from open to close, 11 a.m. to uh, 12, well, 11 a.m. to 12 a.m., so until midnight. Also, um, every Wednesday is trivia night, so a little um, incentive for you to get out. Post for a purpose for my friend Chris, 15% of everything at the Post tomorrow going to Chris Smith. Maplewood, I don't know where that one is. Creve Corps, Fenton, as I mentioned, and the new one, and I've been to this one, Lake St. Louis. And I think Chris is going to be at that location from 6 to 10. So you can you can kind of meet him and, and say hi to him tomorrow night. Anyway, I wanted to throw that He's in. He's great. Right. What else was I going to do here before I got to Sue's News? I might as well, I might as well do this just because I like it so much. Um, Sue, I have to apologize in advance. Okay. Oh no. Well, and maybe to the audience as well. This is John Kerry. 
talking about climate change. Do you know about this yet? No. Okay. Well, just I'm already annoyed. Well, it's it's not it's not really what he's talking about. It's a sound that he makes. Well, just listen. I find myself getting more and more militant because I do not understand how adults who are in position of responsibility can be avoiding responsibility for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. Okay, there it was. Did you hear it? There's a bit of a noise. Well, just check this out. See if you can dial into what it was. Those things that are killing people on a daily basis. That's a fart. That is apparently John Kerry's methane that is, I mean, you need to shut that down right there because that is causing some more warming, right? Fred, had you not heard that yet? No, Heard well, it. what's funny is is that there there's reaction. I don't know if they edited the video, but who the hell is standing right next to him when he's delivering this? And and her head kind of turns in a way to indicate, wait, did that just happen? Ability for taking away those things that are killing people on a daily basis. All right, so I. <laughs> Killing people on a daily basis. And then there's, that was you know, pretty well mic'd. Yeah. Uh, it was well mic'd, but <laughs> there, there's now point. this. I don't know. I can I confirm that that was in fact flatulence from John Kerry? No, I you can, cannot. I cannot. Can I? Can I? Kind of guess that it is. Yes, I can. And do I hope that it is? Yes, uh, for I sure do hope. you do. But this one did really happen, and this is. Um, do you know this guy Andre Valis? It's a big Russian name. He's a goalie in the NHL. Fred, I do, do you not. know this name? Vasilev. Vasilev. Too many symbols. I know. I know. Kerber was listening at the beginning of the show because I got a text message from him. I don't know if he can help me out with this, but anyway, listen. This is a post-game interview, and there are similar themes. That's all I'll say. What's gone through your mind in the last forty-eight hours from the end of the game on Saturday to the start of this one? Obviously, it wasn't great feeling uh, last game, but. um... This show turned into like a fart joke. It has. Well, I mean, Sue, when I latch onto a theme, I have to go with that theme. But listen, now I don't think it was the goalie, but there's definitely. (laughs) See, it wasn't great feeling uh, last game, but. um... Now he just starts laughing because I don't think it was him. It was somebody in the room, and it definitely happened. What was the question? <laughs> now, Sue, in my defense, uh-huh. I think you would admit uh-huh. I don't venture into sophomore Cuber very often, right? True. So, but I, I mean, when I John Kerry why. farts in a guy at a hockey game oh, in a post game farts, I'm, I'm going to roll with that. All I right. can promise you, it's it won't fair. be audio cut of the day because I have better stuff for audio <laughs> cut of the day. <laughs> Thank God. But you know, they're trying. John Kerry's out there in the world trying to shut cows down. He wants to seed plants because the cows fart too much. Maybe, maybe he should take a look or. He listened to his own body. These allegations are deeply concerning. Does the president have any comment? We're not going to comment. It's not clear messaging. No, 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 no. And now, Sue's News, sponsored by Mr. Appliance, speedy expert service. Call 636-674-6446. Save us. Yeah, save us. Yeah, okay, well... Again, I don't go down that road too often. I, I will blame Abby. It's Abby's fault. She told me to do that. But I can't imagine that's true. I think it is. No, Abby I'm said, pretty sure Abby it said, Mark, isn't. I have this audio of farting from John Kerry uh-huh. and this hockey player. we got to use this deception. I said, okay. Okay. Is it just women who think, uh, why is that funny? I'm like, oh, Fred, too. Okay. <laughs> On this day in history, 39 years ago, in 1984, this movie was released 39. I have nothing but fart sound effects on my screen right now. So is there something I should be um, using right now? Uh How about this? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Okay, all right. Can you believe this was 39 years ago? Good grief. Can you name this movie Fred Bodenheimer? Um, 
Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. That is correct. I watched um, Beverly Hills Cop, I would say, three or four years ago, again, oh. in its entirety. And? Held up. I think it would, yeah it, was, yeah. it was good. It was really good. Abby, have you ever seen it? I have not. Yeah. I know we've talked about it previously, and I was like, oh, I'll watch it. I have I have it. So. All right. Put that on your list. 1984, Eddie Murphy. Would you say in his prime? Absolutely. I would. But I think there... Is there another one of these coming? Oh. Hang on. You know, I do think I heard something about that. Are yeah. you me, Like the fourth one? Where, what are we up to? Wouldn't it I be think four it would be or five? One, yeah. I think it'd be He's four. Also... Oh, yeah. Oh, here we go. This okay. was just last week. I'm glad that I remembered this, actually. After nearly three decades of uh-huh. languishing in development hell, Beverly Hills Cop 4 is almost here. Here's what I can tell you. It's been 29 years since Eddie Murphy last donned his uh, Detroit Lions jacket as Axel Foley. And in 2024, still have the music going too, which is good. Um, he's finally set to reprise the role, aptly titled Beverly Hills Cop, Axel Foley. <laughs> so it says it faced a bumpy road before it hit the cameras, stuck in why. development hell, multiple script re- well, because it didn't, multiple yeah, directors, script rewrites. Murphy s- stood away from it, I guess. He came back in 2019. They still five years later, but now... It says the film has been shot and currently is in post-production, Whoa. and it's going to be in theaters next year. So, wow! I, and I think, yeah, I just heard about this last week. So Wait, there you go. Who did, do you know any of the people involved there? Would this be good, Mark? That's Joseph what I'm Gordon-Levitt, asking. Kevin Bacon, oh. Judge Reinhold, who was in, you know, he was yeah. in the original. So I don't know. I mean, uh, maybe. See who's the director here, Mark Kevin Bacon Malloy. I don't know who Mark Malloy is. Yeah. Maybe I'll look that up. That kind of makes me credits. nervous. There you go. I don't know. So that's wow, interesting. That's, that is, but that's. Again, when you do sequels, you kind of want to get a new audience that might be familiar with the originals. I'm not sure you have that, right? Yeah, I'm not sure you do either. Uh, And 15 years ago on this day in history, in 2008, was when O.J. Simpson was sentenced to 33 years in prison after being convicted of armed robbery and kidnapping. You know, that's, uh, in fact, the the service that wrote this put in sports, that's known as a makeup call. Mm-hmm. Well, that's exactly what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, one of the most fascinating aspects of that, and I can't give you all the details, but our friend John Ziegler, who is the host of the Death of Journalism podcast, who's a regular on the show, John has an indirect relationship to the memorabilia aspect of that part of the case. Oh, yeah. He's talked about it before. I can't remember all the details. I can, I can ask him again the next time he's on. But, yeah, John, he's... That dude, he's got all kinds he's of little... He's like everywhere. Fred. Like when we peel the onion back on <laughs> yes. Fred, same thing with Ziggler. There's crazy stories about him. You think Ziggler has a neighbor who picks out his clothes? That one I think is <laughs> just right. Fred. Uh-huh. That, that's that, just, just Fred. Because uh, that's only Fred. By the way, the guy that's directing that um, Beverly Hills Cop movie has never done anything except for... This is his credit. Ready? Apple at work, the underdogs. Oh, dear. Apple at work, the whole work. So he's done nothing, nothing. but in a Nissan commercial. He did that. <laughs> okay. Mm. That's it. High hopes for that. Well, it doesn't necessarily mean he'll be no, bad. No, it but might yeah. be okay. It, it, it may be okay. You all By the way, somewhere. Yeah, well, that's true. It may be great. Uh, for the first time ever, Brenda Lee's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree is the number one song in the country. In the country, Brenda. Wait, wow, first time took- Ever. Ever. Yeah. It's 65 years old. Rocking around the Christmas tree at the Christmas party hop. Mistletoe hung where you can see every couple tries to stop. I do like this one. Okay, as far as classic know Christmas songs, I like this one. That she was 13 when she recorded this. Well, Whoa. now that you mention it, I don't know if I knew that, but it does, doesn't does sound like that's impossible yeah. just listening to the vocal sounds. That's right. right? And she's uh, now 78. This you will get a 
Yeah, that's what's interesting. She's really not that old, no. considering how old the song is, right? It's 65 years old. Yeah. Uh, she, at 78, is the oldest artist to top the Hot 100. Now, she replaces Louis Armstrong, who was 62 when Hello, Dolly! hit number one in 1964. And then Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree is only the third holiday number one ever. It was the uh, first one was the Chipmunk song. Sorry to everybody. Alvin! How old is Mick Jagger? Couldn't he have a number one song? He, he's almost 80. Yeah if, he's, yeah, if he writes something good, it could get up there. But uh, apparently, here's what happened with old Brenda Lee. She got some younger people yeah, 80, by the in way. her people. You know, oh, he's 80? Yeah, so, he's yeah 80. he could do it. Who started putting this out on TikTok and doing some stuff in social media, and that put her up to number one. You gotta kind of love that, that's, right? Well, that's kind of what happened, you know, with the Stranger Things deal, right? With, yes, uh, exactly. Uh, running, running up that, up hill, that Kate hill, Bush. Exactly. So, hooray for Brenda Lee. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, especially since she's still alive to kind of have it recognized. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, awesome. How fun is that? We are sprinkling, right, Abby? What are we doing this week? We're sprinkling. Magic Christmas fairy dust, just a couple of Christmas bumps this week, mm-hmm. and then we'll wrap it up next week. I like to ease into a the flurry, Christmas bumper a flurry. music. A flurry. Next yes. week, a flurry, Fred. Confirmed. Yes. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize it was sprinkling in a magic Christmas dust oh, yeah. either. Oh, Did yeah. you? Are you aware of, of this, Fred? No, it yes. sounds a lot more um, legit. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no Theater one, of the mind. Yeah, there you no go. one asked me. And uh, uh, we did. Oh, the boss got an email uh, from a postal worker. You know, we were talking about. Um, Kim St. Ange was talking about how she gets photos of her mail before it gets delivered. And uh, it was a retired postal worker, and he said, it's not something, these pictures are not something extra. It's just what's taken by the computers when your mail is processed. So it's no extra time for anybody to take the photos. It's just a computer shot as it goes by. So it it makes a lot of sense. So I just wanted to acknowledge that because I didn't know that part. They emailed you, though. They emailed the boss. Yes, they emailed the boss to mention (laughs) that. interesting. So I picked that up. And finally in Sue's news, although I have much more stuff, we will save it for later. Uh, By the way, Sue's News brought to you by Mr. Appliance. Speedy expert service. Call 636-674-6446. Oh, wait. I did get a front door today. I sent you guys the photo. Very exciting. We don't have to go around to the back of the house. (laughs) It's been only a, a month. Sue Wheeler did such a great job. My door has been restored. They... Stripped it down and then redid it. It looks really good, I think. By the oh, way, no, I had great. no idea until yesterday because we remember we were there at the beginning of the door saga. We talked <laughs> yes. about it, and I was very yes. curious about it. In fact, I wouldn't even mind her, you know, number yes. name. But then what I didn't realize because there was no follow up that you had not had it put back on and that you had no front door to use for the last six weeks. Yeah. Well, it's only been four. But yes, it, and so you have to trot out the back. Just now, the dogs are getting the hang of going out the back door. But <laughs> so, we're going to have so to doesn't that, that's perfect. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, the of sheet hanging over the front door is no longer there. Well, they actually do a, like a wood plywood thing. It's really hardcore. But she just had it wide open, Fred. <laughs> yeah, you just walk come in. on in. There was a sign was that chance. said, "Come on in." As my dad used to say, "Close the door. We're heating the entire neighborhood." I just <laughs> left it all open. Oh my gosh, that, uh, it's funny because I love little parenting things like that. The one that I've been teaching my daughter lately is, you make a better door than a window. Remember that one? Oh, yeah. That's and then, a classic. Yeah, the eight-year-old uh, seems to like to even get in more of my way when I say that, by the way, uh, which is maybe mm-hmm. what I did with my parents and grandparents. That's fair. My family has elevated that to just yelling door at each other. Oh, that's, oh, that's perfect. That. Yep, that's efficient. <laughs> that's efficient, oh, Abby. You get it. Yes. 
Uh, and finally, in Sue's news, we have today's random fact. I, okay. There are nine states with more cows than people. South Dakota, Nebraska, North Dakota, Wyoming, Kansas, Montana, Idaho, Oklahoma, and Iowa. Those states have more cows than people. And that's it for Sue's News. I won't even throw the red challenge flag on that. Uh -uh. That sounds perfectly legitimate. I think if we were quizzed on that, we probably would have got it right. There you go, Sue's News for a Tuesday edition. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I've said this before. I mean, there's not a lot that shocks me anymore, but I've seen a lot of shocking behavior on college campuses and certainly from the leaders of academic institutions. And I've been rooting out some of the nonsense in academia for literally decades doing a talk show. But this has reached, I think, new Hall of Fame levels. And then the question becomes, what, what can you do about it? John Ellis wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal this week. He's professor emeritus of German literature at the University of California, Santa Cruz. He's also written a book called The Breakdown of Higher Education, How It Happened, The Damage It Does, What Can Be Done. John Ellis, welcome to 97.1 FM Talk. How are you this afternoon? I'm fine, thank you. And thank you for having me. How long has, just as we get started here, has the book been out for a while or is the book new? The book was out in 2020. Okay, so it, not necessarily a new topic, but what's interesting is you could probably write a whole other book just based on what's happened in the last couple of years, right? I'm afraid so. Um, I didn't think that would be the case when I wrote that book in 2020, but, I mean, what's going on now is uh, quantum leap beyond what was even happening three years ago. I want to jump to um, deep into the piece that you wrote in the Wall Street Journal and use a, a today example here because and maybe offer a little hope. And I'm not a hopeful person, John. I'm just going to tell you right now. But you said this. The only real solution is for more Americans to grasp the depth of the problem and change their behavior accordingly. I wish most Americans could hear this question posed today to the president of Harvard by a member of Congress about what's happening at Harvard. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African-Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to it's free speech. It's a yes speech. or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African-Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? 
our commitment to free speech. It's a yes extends. or no question. Well, I kind of feel it is as well. And Professor Ellis, I don't know if you saw any of that today, but you know, again, yes, that's yes, indeed I did. Well, that's just indeed, on I Fox, did. and I don't know how many people see it. But you know, if that gets exposed a little bit more, maybe then parents take a, a closer look, right? Yeah. Well, this th- these latest demonstrations on campus have opened many people's eyes. So that has given me a little bit of hope. I mean, what's what's happening on campus? Is not new in the sense that, I mean, you know, the, the, the same people have been there for the last couple of years. What they're doing now is visible to the public, and the public is horrified, and that's all to the good. But what the public is seeing is something very, very sad. It's seeing that uh, our campuses are willing to put up with uh, barbarism, brutality, utter corruption. Uh, and provided it's on the same political side of the spectrum as they are, they have no problem with it, which means they have abandoned our society's values. I mean, our, our society's humane values. Uh, and that is what they've learned from their teachers. You know, I, I went, I was a freshman at the University of Missouri in 1983, and I remember, you know, Ronald Reagan was president. So I remember a lot of comments from professors in classes that had nothing to do with politics slamming on Reagan. And I've been very aware of indoctrination for, for a long time. But one of the things that you point out is, and this, this, this is how it trickles down and how we're all affected, because when you radicalize journalism departments, which is been what's happening. There's very little real journalism outside of Substack these days. And you promote social justice and, you know, far left advocacy over truth telling and everything else. This is kind of what you get. And that's what's happened. Yes, indeed. I mean, social justice is a the left works on the campus. The radical left works with euphemisms. You know, I mean, the diversity, equity and inclusion. But what it really means is racial discrimination. Uh, and when it says, um, um, when it talks about this uh, social justice, uh, what it really means is radical politics. Um, and the public has not caught on to what's happening for this reason, though they speak in these bland terms. But um, one of the things that's happened now is that, I mean, the, the student behavior, what the students are saying on campus and what people can see on television uh, is is giving people a first-hand look at what what all this really means, as opposed to what the radicals try and persuade you that it means. And what it means is something horrible. Uh, and I would agree. So then let's get, because when you wrote in the book, and I'm sure you have further thoughts on this, the breakdown of higher education, how it happened, the damage it does, what can be done. Let's just kind of focus on the last part of that, what can be done. You have some ideas. I know you express them in the journal piece. What can be done? Well, there are two things. I mean, one is, State universities are controlled by state legislatures. You know, their money is is doled out by the state legislature. Now, state legislatures could easily investigate their state campuses, and what they'd find if they investigated properly would be they're totally corrupt. And so the state legislature could simply remove the president of their state university, install a new one, and tell him to clean up. Uh, that's entirely possible. It's there's the beginnings of it in Florida um, and in a couple of other states. Well, it's not going to happen with Gavin Newsom in California, though. Oh, it's not going to happen. And 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 look, even in states that have large Republican majorities, a lot of those the Republican legislatures are still living in the past. They still think that Harvard's a great university. They still think the University of California is a great university. And so, uh, you know. Uh, 
people need to be kicked and told, look, for God's sake, recognize what's happening now. Forget what you believed 30 years ago, because we're not living in the same era anymore. The universities that were wonderful institutions 30 years ago are not that anymore. But, um, but the second thing I mentioned in the article is, and it, it really is the only serious thing, people have got to grasp the fundamental fact that the educational system of this country has been captured by radical political activists. They're, they basically constitute a little sect. They're not, that's not completely the left. It's a, a left sect, a, an extreme oh, yeah. sect. Well, you, you sum it up quite nicely. Let me read this part. You say most parents, and because I addressed this issue on the show, uh, Professor, earlier today, I said I was hopeful that maybe the minds were going to be changed. But remember, Sue, what I said, as I said, I, I think, you know, parents are going to be like, oh, I still want my kid to go to Harvard. I'm going to write the check. Yep. But what you said in the Wall Street Journal piece is most parents and students seem to be on autopilot, which is my point. Young Jack is 18, so it's time for college. His family still assumes that students will be taught by professors who are smart, well-informed, with broad sympathies. No longer. Professors are now productive dominantly closed-minded, ignorant, and stupid enough to believe that Marxism works despite overwhelming historical evidence that it doesn't. If enough parents and students gave serious thought to that question, whether this ridiculous version of college education is still worth four years of a young person's life and tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars, corrupt institutions of higher education would collapse, creating the space for better ones to arise. I think you're right about that. It's just a matter of waking people up and having them dialed into this. And you also close this way, and I thought this was exceptional. The biggest threat to our future isn't climate change, China, or the national debt. It's the tyrannical grip that a hopelessly corrupt higher education system has on our national life. I, I could not agree more with you, yep. Professor Ellis. I think yeah. you summarized this exceptionally well. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, but that's born of about 30 years of wrestling with this problem. And, uh, you know, I, I think as, as, you, as the years go by, the, the general shape of the, the problem becomes clearer and clearer to you. I finally put it down in that form. Um, I might not have said, said it quite as strongly even 15 years ago, but uh, in, in certainly in the last five years, I mean, it has gotten suddenly very much worse. It reminds me of that story about the guy who was asked how he went bankrupt, and he says, well, at first gradually, and then finally, suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with our, with our higher education, it deteriorated gradually for, for 10, 20, 30 years, and then suddenly, in the last five years, it's become absolutely intolerable. And our only hope is indeed, from the piece that you read, uh, our only hope is that uh, people grasp the depth of the stupidity of college campuses and the dangerousness of them and change the way they look at them. I mean, we all love to have wonderful institutions of higher education. Uh, I spent my life in, in them, and uh, for the first 25 years of my career, I was very happy with them. But people have got to grasp the fact that the past is not the present. I mean, that what, yeah. what Harvard was once is not what it is now. We'd, we'd love to have it uh, the same, uh, but, but it isn't. And as soon as, as soon as parents get hold of the fact that this little radical sect has seized control of the educational system of the country, uh, they'll know what to do. Do, do you sense that, because you're a professor, professor emeritus of German literature at the University of California, Santa Cruz, but you're not, are you actively that, then in classrooms every day now? Does that mean you're not, right? 
Oh, I've been with Tana for a while yeah, now. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and this is why I asked the question, because do you do you feel, offer me some hope, do you feel that there are more people like John Ellis actively teaching on campuses today that just don't want to open their mouth, and I get it because they want to keep their job, or is everyone kind of in this mindset that are professors at this point? You know, it's a very, that's a very good question and very difficult to answer. I mean, you, you have to know that in any kind of tyranny, there's always a lot of people who shut their mouths. They're, they're against what's happening, but they don't speak up. How many of them there are on campus right now? I don't know. I would guess not more than 10, 15 percent. Um, I used to think about 10, 15 years ago, it was about a third. I used to, I used to sort of say that the, one third committed radicals, one third careerists, Mm-hmm. People just, you know, on the on the, the the train for the ride, for riding the riding a career vehicle, um, and one third uh, cowards. Well, now, right now I would say it's no longer a third. Yeah. A third. I, I think it's it's at least sixty percent real radicals running the show. Wow. Well, you've offered me no hope. You've offered me no hope this afternoon. But look, the piece was outstanding, so much so in a way that I, I keep I keep really good pieces on my bulletin board in the office because I know I'm going to reference this in the future. So I appreciate that, Professor Ellison. Thank you so much for making time for us here this afternoon. My pleasure. Thank Take you care. for having me. Yeah, it's John Ellis who let me let me read a little bit. You know, usually when I have guests on, I don't like to read from the columns because the guest is on, but he he wrote this in a really exceptional way. He said, Never have college campuses exerted so great or so destructive an influence. Once an indispensable support of our advanced society, academia has become a cancer metastasizing through its vital organs. The radical left is the cause, most obviously through the one-party campuses having graduated an entire generation of young Americans Mm. indoctrinated with their ideas. John Ellis knows that this is a major cancer on this country. It is. So maybe, just maybe, everything, all the horrors from the last few weeks, if this can expose some of the craziness on these college campuses, maybe that's a small victory. We have Fox News coming up here in a few minutes. I don't know if they're still covering this story on the hourly newscast. Did you hear about the big house explosion in Arlington, Virginia? I did. So, listen, I mean, this was not an ordinary house explosion. There were police that had surrounded this home, and I'll give you some details about the guy that was inside who got blowed up here in a second. Yeah, so, well, that, that's the sound of the explosion. It really doesn't even do it justice because it was a big, big boom. It wasn't like one of those, you know, gas explosions. It seemed just different than that. And we don't have a lot of details. This is some of the reporting that was going on last night when this was happening from uh, WUSA. At 4.45, they responded to calls of the man firing flares into the air there. Officers here at Arlington County Police were engaging with that man, and they obtained a search warrant regarding the use of those flares. When the officers were going to go inside that home, including the SWAT team, that's when they heard more fire shot inside the home and that explosion that sent shockwaves across the Arlington County community. We're still wondering what caused this explosion. But Yeah, we don't know at this point. I mean, this thing was loud and fire coming out of it. So property records show that the guy who lived there, his name was James W.U., 
and neighbors say he was sort of a recluse who had aluminum foil covering the windows. He's owned that home since 1992. He's behind on his property taxes. But they they pulled up some emails that he had sent. He said that he was the head of global information and physical security for a company um, called SFIUS. SFIUS is the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. And it's some sort of interagency committee of the government which reviews national security implications. So this guy was writing things that were very disconnected and weird. Um, Sell my vacant adjacent lot to raise money. This is what he wrote on October 20th. They conspired. Desanctimonious mask hole signaled, do not buy James Yu's vacant lot via signing law prohibiting China from buying U.S. land. And he just goes on and he's randomly saying all these things. Then he outs one of his neighbors. This is on December 1st. This is my next door neighbor. Gives the address. Um, if memory serves, they attended Ohio University. This person, this is redacted, and her two children are spies and act as buffers collecting my information and then delivering to their handlers. This is how the ruling class stays anonymous, using buffers and handlers to absorb digital ID. Now, I bring this up because this guy was clearly unhinged, but as soon as some of this stuff kind of got out there, the conspiracy theories started. You know, oh, oh sure. well, this guy's wor- working with the government and they blew him up because they didn't want these secrets out and stuff like that. I don't know if we're ever going to know exactly what happened, but I will say this. That was a pretty intense house yeah. explosion and there's not a lot of, you know, information on it right now. This is somebody from the police out there. When officers arrived on scene, they determined a suspect inside of residence had discharged a flare gun. During the course of that investigation, officers obtained a search warrant for the residence. As officers attempted to execute that search warrant, the suspect inside the residence uh, discharged several rounds. The house subsequently exploded, and we continue to investigate the circumstances of the explosion. Now, what they said here is they, they, the, the homeowner has not been accounted for. I, I'm going to go on a limb here, and, and I think he's in a bunch of different pieces. I, I really do at this point. These are his neighbors. I was just in my house and um, had heard like a series of like what sounded like gunshots, which I guess now we found out were flare guns. And then... Um, Went outside and no one else was coming outside and then uh, the explosion just happened and I thought someone drove like a car through our front door. It was just coming out of the gym a block away and it kind of, it was, you just hear the bang out of nowhere. I just remember walking out, walking my car and just hearing like a big kind of pop. Yeah, it was a big, big boom. And I I think that the the missing details here is why in the hell did this all start in the first place and what was this all about? So we'll see if there's any follow up on that. We'll take a break here at the top of the hour. We have after Sue's Got Traffic Fox News coming up. Steve Gorham will be here in the next hour, who is the director of the Climate Science Coalition. We're going to talk a little bit about what's happening with all the, um, you know, climate summits around the world right now. Also, Haley McNamara, who wrote a piece in The Federalist, which is kind of horrifying about how your daughter's face could be hijacked for deep fake porn. There's some stuff going on with Instagram that I want to highlight along those lines as well. We'll get to that in the 5 o'clock hour, plus an audio cut of the day. Get more at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas... Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. 
Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles and Toyota has them with more on the way. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future. In vehicles and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you. A hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places.